Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a podcast that is all about wine, all about the people, the personalities, the stories, the adventure of Paso Robles Wine Country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. It is still Harvest Wine Month. We are celebrating harvest all month long and in a huge way here in Paso Wine Country. Uh, make sure you go to PasoWine.com. Any and all activities, you could search by winery, by day, by activity. It is such a great resource, especially when there is a lot going on in Paso Wine Country. Hit up PasoWine.com. I'm really excited for a show uh, coming up next week. We've been talking about this hot new restaurant in Bloom. We're going to get the owner on the show. Also, revisit with Chris Cherry of Via Creek and the Maha Estate. There's so many similarities from Chris's old restaurant, Via Creek, that I definitely fondly remember in Paso. And there's so many like industry kind of ties and, and history and just a lot of cool people's shoulders rubbing together that you remember from Via Creek that you are seeing now at In Bloom. So to have Chris, who is the owner of In Bloom, and Chris Cherry, another Chris, to have them both together is going to be a really cool show. Looking forward to that. Also, uh, their chef, who is just an incredibly talented individual, will be on the show with us. That is coming up next episode. Now, part two of our chat with Bill Gibbs of G2 Vineyards and Lucas Pope of Coastal Vineyard Services and Helio Tide. Now, we talked all about the connection to Justin Smith. We killed uh, pretty much two badass bottles of wine, a Saxum from G2, also a Turtle Rock of G2. Both those 19 vintages got 100 points. Pretty impressive. Also, the new hot-ish right now in the sparkling. First of all, sparkling is hot right now in Paso. You see more and more brands coming online with sparkling, but the new hot name, Haleotide. H-A-L-I-O. H-A-L, right? Yeah, H-A-L-I-O. Tide, uh, Haleotide Wines. Nicole Pope, Lucas Pope. I love Lucas. He is such a great guy. We had so much fun with both he and Bill Gibbs. We got a little bit, um, a little bit 35 minutes left of this conversation that we can air. Let's get right into it. If you remember at the end of the last show, we were talking about uh, the reverence of the winemaker and the vineyard and all that. And Bill is kind of coming back in there um, to that conversation about, as he puts it, chasing the winemaker, chasing the vineyard, or chasing the brand. Check it out. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify and good company. I've chased both winemakers and I've chased terroir. When I first fell in love with Saxon, I began looking for every place that bought James Berry Vineyard fruit. And that led me to places like Carlisle. And there's all sorts of places that buy James Berry fruit and do interesting, good things with it. Yep. Um, though cleverly, he doesn't sell to anyone who does his kind of quality stuff with it. <laughs> He's not silly. Um, and then, of course, I've also chased winemakers like, uh, you know, I've liked... Orion Stang wines wherever he's made them, whether it was Dilecta or whether it's his new project, Emerson. I love Orion. So we're going to get a tattoo together. We just don't know what it's going to be. It'd be, my, it'd be my first tattoo. Should we all get one together with Orion? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what you're saying exactly. <laughs> a tattoo? <laughs> I'm not doing tattoo. No, no, but are, is it, are, we all getting, are we all getting the same symbol? Or are we all just in the room together while you get one? No. <laughs> oh, there you go. I could be in the room. No. I lasted this long without a tattoo. I'm not. <laughs> we could be in the room where it happens. Yeah. 
Well, some people who are so into him, like he is, he's like, dude, I'll get this right here. Like, okay, cool. What is it? Yeah, you go, great. We'll get it. Catch up to him in one night, and you'd bleed to death. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you're right. He's a great winemaker. I love what he. I love what he's about. Oh, fantastic! And yeah. I mean, all my, I have to say that I don't have a customer I don't like. Yeah. And I don't have a customer whose wines I don't like, and perhaps that's more important. Because I, I don't want to sell grapes to people who make wine I don't like. Well, you, it's funny because you get to pick. Some of your decision-making might lean towards, okay, who is going to help lift the G2 brand? I mean, you have brands, obviously, Saxum, obviously, Turtle Rock, um, Top. These are brands. you got many more. I'm not trying to leave anyone out that are lifting the G2 brand. But also, you have folks that like, you know, hey, I want... I love the wines you're making. Let's make some out of my fruit. And you get to pick you know, that relationship Look, based on that you, too. That's exactly the marketing side of things is who, li- who is lifting who. Yes. Because Saxon lifted me. Okay. Absolutely no doubt about that. And all my top customers today lift me. Yep. And, but I have customers whom I am lifting. So Jacob Toft, I think in maybe 18, did his first G2 single vineyard designate. Jacob well, Toff, Tin City dude, great winemaker, great winemaker. Exactly. And when he came back to me and told me that that wine sold out in a week, I saw that as it's working. Yep. You know, because, because people are recognizing that this is good fruit from G2, and that helped him sell his wine faster. It's awesome. So it, it works both ways. Um, Turtle Rock, when I started with Turtle Rock, I was a, aware of them. But they have so developed into something today in their own right that is no longer... They've come out from the shadow of, of Saxum, is really what Don has done, is that in the early days, I thought this was, oh, well, I better sell Don some grapes because he's Justin's friend. <laughs> you know? And then in the first year, he got the highest score that, that G2 had for several years after that. I think he got a 98 or something. And uh, It just takes people time to catch up to him. He's a talented winemaker. And, 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 yes. and today... Today, he, he has this incredible success, well-deserved in making great wines um, that is, has nothing to do with the fact that he's making them inside of, of Saxum anymore. In fact, he's not going to be making them inside of Saxum anymore. Uh, in fact, he's not going to be the assistant winemaker at Saxum anymore after this year. It's all moved on. He's taken the big step, and he deserves a whole lot of credit for the quality of his wines. They're great wines. I'm sounding like an advertisement here, don't I? No, no, he's fantastic. But I, I, I really look at the, the relationship that both Mark Adams and Donnie Burns have with Justin. I love listening to but, but very both quickly, of them talk. Yeah, go ahead. I want to touch on top. Please. Oh, my God. I love Because I think top. it was like 2015 or so. I'm at the Garage East Festival where I go frequently to, to seek out future customers. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, we're on the Friday night before the main event, and my buddy and I are tasting through all the wines, and one wine is just popping, and it's, it's top. And we go over, and we talk to Stanley and Elena, and they're lovely people, and, and their story is fantastic, and I sign up for their club immediately. Yep. And uh, at G2, we have this thing that, that customers get first opportunity before I find new customers. Okay. Because I like to take care of my existing customers, and that first year, we had an extra two tons of Grenache Blanc. Yep. Stanley, you want some Grenache Blanc? I'll take it. Yep. Okay, next year, well, Stanley, I guess you're a customer now. <laughs> so, I'd say so, so, for sure. So, Jay Lore's leaving. Would you like some more fruit? And he got to work into some more fruit. And then the next year, people shift around and change. And, and just by loving Stanley and loving what he's doing with the fruit, he's now my third biggest customer. I mean, well, it's, it's awesome. I what, think that Grenache Blanc, if I'm not mistaken, that's like the one that he makes for his... Yeah, his axis. It's in freaking the French Laundry. 
I mean, that, I think that's the French, that's the Grenache Blanc that he has up in the French laundry. It's a fantastic wine. The only complaint I have against Stanley or Elena, just one small gripe, is they haven't released a G2 single designate yet. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a challenge to me. I know, but right? He's, he's working on it. He said yeah. he did one that wasn't quite made enough of yet, and he's how, promised how, me a what's future. What's the dynamic in um, negotiating with these guys? Are, I mean, obviously, you, you have so many of these dynamic personalities, sometimes very strong personalities, folks who are very... Um, I want to be very polite, but like folks who know that they're the shit, you know, and they they know what they're about and they're they're leaders in their own way. And here you are in the same, but those conversations were just you two in a room, you and Stanley, you and Donnie, you and X. What are these conversations? Are some of these kind of shrewd negotiations? Are they... Oh, uh, only on my part, because yeah. I started working with Stanley before he was a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and now today he gets more hits on my Instagram page than anybody. Which is like, it says something. I'm not sure what. But I was at something. Hospice Serone. I'm just meeting James Suckling. And we're talking about, like, hey, let's come up and show. We're going to be on the show because I was doing my show from HDR. Pick a winemaker to come up with us. He's like, I want, I'd love to pick. He wanted to pick Stanley. And Stanley is just eternally shy. I already know this because when I saw, was hanging out with him and Elena, with you there that one day we did the Where Wine Takes You podcast, he was just like a little bit standoffish. And I get it. I just love and respect him so much. I'm not going to pressure him to be like, come on, get on the I just know he's not into it. He's not into it. Look, if he's into it, he'll do it. Well, he took, he took a big gamble with his whole business by saying, well, first of all, it was a part-time job. He was working as an assistant for Nakora. He, 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 they decided to give up their day jobs and, and invest everything in this. And he stuck his wine business everything on a notch back from what was called Standard Paso at the time. He went for, he calls it a balanced wine, and I'd agree with him, that just isn't so big and isn't so over the top and isn't so you know, fruit bomby. But it just has all this lovely complexity and, and, and structure going on in the wines that he cares so much about. And, and they're lovely wines. So good. He deserves, again, he could, it's, a, it's different from, I mean, first of all, to be successful in business, you have to differentiate your product. Yep. You can't just copy somebody. You just can't be another Saxon or another Turtle Rock. You've got to do something different. And in, in this wide variety of wines we have, Stanley picked this, this line somewhere in the middle that really appeals to people, especially people from outside Paso, especially people who aren't already indoctrinated to the big fruit bomb wines. Mm-hmm. And they, they just really appreciate this lovely wine he makes. Well put. So true. Thank you. That's just so true. What do you think of Top? I met Stanley at a, it was a after party at Terry Hogue. After the A7 conference, we were hosting a halter that was n- only winemakers and vineyard managers, no media, whatever. And I remember standing over a spit bucket, looking at this young kid, being like, wow, you are going to live your dreams. He, he professed to me what his goal was, and he did it. I can't believe it. It's been amazing. They're such kind people. I remember a recent conversation with him. He gave me some wines, and he's like, what do you think of my wine? I was like, dude, I haven't drank your wine, honestly. I'm, it's in my cellar. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm holding it for a while. Right. And he, I swear I saw a tear come over. He's just like, thank you so much. <laughs> Everybody drinks my wine early. I know. It's meant to be aged. Yes. Thank you for holding my wine and not just diving in yeah, and seeing it's what so it's all hard. about. And, and, and you, sometimes you get gifted a special bottle. Like, you're, yeah, you're going to save that. Yeah, You're going to sure. save that. No, I think of the, the couple bottles that I took from that episode where I first met Bill Gibbs hanging out with Elena and, uh, and Stanley. And it's like, no, I don't think I've even touched those yet, you know, yeah. except the Grenache Blanc. I drank that about two weeks ago. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's, it's, <laughs> the Grenache Blanc. Oh my God, it was so good. I, I drank it. Can I tell you where? It was in Eberly's Pond <laughs> in his lake right outside his house. What were you doing in the pond? Skinny dipping, I'll tell you. We were fucking <laughs> skinny dipping. You and Georgie. It, yeah, oh, and my fiance. <laughs> I was going to say, this is a post engagement thing. I yeah, think. no, yeah. this is me and my fiance. I don't fiance. think this is going to make the show. <laughs> no, this is Hollywood. There's no FCC here. But no, just the how. I mean, there's not. I mean, when you have a beautiful bottle of white yeah. wine, a beautiful Grenache Blanc, and it really goes to show a testament. A beautiful to fiance. Yes. And skinny dipping in a pond. It's pretty hard to beat. Uh, yeah. But like when you talk about like uh, the amount of varieties that Paso can do well, mm-hmm. like who else does Grenache Blanc this good? I mean, I'm sure there are some places, but like Paso, 40, 50 varieties yep. beautifully. Oh. Yep. I had to rip sure. out Stanley's Grenache Blanc because of disease mm. and replanted it with red Grenache because it's probably not my favorite grape. <laughs> But on the expansion to G2, we just added, we added 60 acres of land to G2 this year. And of that, about 40 acres is plantable. And we've already planted 12 of that. And of those 12, three acres is Grenache Blanc. That's so cool. You are, in production. A, you are in a growth spurt right now. Well, you know. Yeah. You're hitting it, baby. <laughs> That's nice. We have water problems. We have heat problems. We have climate change problems. But, you know, if you've got to double down on something... Uh, Willow Creek AVA. But a bitch oh, ain't Willow one. Creek, yeah. <laughs> Willow Creek AVA <laughs> and high-quality grapes. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, the market mm. for the grapes is insane. We're, oh, my God. We aren't at Napa prices, but they're going there. Mm-hmm. We are moving there very quickly. I, I tell all my customers that you are going to be paying the highest price in Paso. Maybe not the highest, but one of the highest. Yeah. I, I want to be calibrated up there constantly because we have labor costs going up every year, yep. at least with inflation. We do four or five passes on most of these blocks. This is not cheap anymore. The harvest is is uh, all hand harvested. I've got these slow people at uh, G2 North, <laughs> these short people who can't quite reach the grapes. It's pretty sad. <laughs> um, Talk so, to Armando. Armando so, can hook you up. We tried he putting, up, we tried putting them on trailers. Oh, Armando is amazing. He's, I saw him at soccer practice recently, and uh, you see him around. He waves. He's got this... The old Dodge truck. I had the same Dodge. I had a two-wheel drive. He's got a four-wheel drive. But he recognizes everybody, and he waves at everybody. I love that. The guy's heart's in the right place. Hey, don't he get is, him another job. I love this man. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. No. <laughs> don't worry. I love this man, and I, I don't want to ever lose him. One of the biggest things we have in the past, the one thing that we're lacking is there are basically two major players in the really, really high-quality farming realm. You guys are basically maxed out. At four little vineyards. Yeah. And, and we are, we're not maxed out. We're growing, definitely growing like crazy. But it'd be really nice if there was one more really high quality uh, farming operation don't, in the area. Don't your boss hear this. <laughs> oh, no. Kevin and I talk about it all the time because the challenge is what's amazing. You get a customer like Helen Keplinger. She comes in. She does things differently than we do here. It challenges the way we think. It opens our eyes to new ideas. And then with the competition, man, the competition's what? So I want high-density rootstock. Oh, like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin was a collegiate football player. I played, I dabbled in collegiate volleyball. But competitive is what drives us to What's go. What's the competition like here? Is that what we were going to get into? Well, well Na- it's, Napa it's, is the, we need more. We right. need more competition, I think, ultimately. I think Napa is, is, is really the, setting the bar for us. Their prices are like 10 times us. They are their labor. Their labor cost is quite a bit more than we are. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're seeing us as a value, but people are taking focus. I mean, it's not every week, but probably every other week, I get a call from somebody in Napa looking for a property. In the rolodex really? of people looking, there's a huge waiting list. There are not enough premium properties on the market. Are there some? 
There are some. Water well, is a huge you, issue. You, you Water know, is a massive you issue. You know what they say. If you call yourself a business, you're always for sale. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. That's an interesting point. Good thing I'm a hobby. Good thing you're a hobby. <laughs> well, the other thing that really strikes me about like the conversations that we're having is all the same clientele being on, uh, how do you put it correctly? Be, maybe it's being on the upper echelon of farming. You get to choose who you farm for. And you have relationships with these people where we go to a party, I'll run into Bill. I'm also going to see most of my clients and I'm going to enjoy having wines with them. And we're all grabbing bottles to share with each other. And you want to sit down to a meal with these folks. Then you get this odd, you know, I don't know how you'd put it, person that doesn't really fit uh, that kind of mold. That you are able to, we discuss this all the time as we evaluate new clients. And it's like, can we sit down and have dinner with them? Do you want to have a beer with them? Um, that's so interesting that that's what it can come down well, to. It, 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 it somewhere, are, are we going to have trouble getting paid? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, right? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, maybe. that one comes in later. Because so, really so, it's the passion to do the best thing possible. And then the, the most profitable vineyard owner I personally know yep. in Paso Robles is my next door neighbor at Hearthstone. And he sells, he sells a Grenache and Zin to Opolo and Tablas. Yep. He, has a, he has no personal involvement with the business at all. Okay. It's not fun for him like it is for me. So he has a farming company that comes in, and he spends exactly $3,000 an acre. That's it. So they come in and they prune. They don't come back. <laughs> and they pick, yeah. <laughs> and and there, is, there is some kind of profit sharing at the end. Um, but he makes more money per acre than I ever expect to. Really? Oh, absolutely. He, he can bring in four and five tons an acre, and they can farm it for 3000 I mean, and that's like, that's like, let me think, that's like almost a quarter of what it's costing me now. I would say that's accurate. We have some people that want more touches and it's more. We have very few that want less, but that is a very accurate statement. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I, so interesting. So to farm it the way the top people want it Well, those farm, are two different brands too. Like, oh, I mean, they're different brands, but like the, from my perception of both those brands, like mm-hmm. they, they approach well, the I, market I, differently. I certainly so. don't want to be saying yeah. anything bad about either Tablas or Opolo. No, no, not at all. I'm just... But, but Tablas, certainly this is their, this is not their estate wines. No, right. This is still Adelaide and very close to Willow Creek. I mean, that's what we call it. Adelaide close to Willow <laughs> Creek is worth more than just Adelaide by itself. <laughs> Sold on Willow Creek. We call oh, yes. we call that Willow Creek adjacent. Yes, yes. Well, it, it, because Willow yeah. Creek Willow Creek stops at Peachy Canyon. It does on that corner. And Hearthstone is a quarter of a mile down the street. That's yep. just like God, just right there. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. If I had been involved in the in the discussions, I would have bent that line just a bit to include right. Hearthstone. Yep, just keep those hills. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hearthstone is Adelaida and proud of it. <laughs> Didn't I sound sincere? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. No, I get it. You know, what's amazing to me is, like, even at Hearthstone. Great land there. I have a neighbor across the street, just across the street, uh, Oso Libre. Yeah. And he is in a totally different climate. He picks two to three weeks behind me, if not four weeks behind me. Because it's it's a lower line? He has frost, incredible frost damage every year, and he's lost his Morved crop most years because of frost. It's, It's bizarre that I can see the place across the street, and it's a different place entirely. Or at G2, across the street has different soil profiles and different climates. They're different places. It's, 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 it's so interesting, and the lines, are, they're not going to be perfect. I guess it comes down to The right. lines are never perfect, but it's, it's amazing how small a difference. In fact, inside G2, 
Yep. I have my south facing. I have my north facing. I have my east facing. I have my west facing. I have my steep slopes. I have my middle slopes. I have my not so slopey at all. And in the heat waves, in the heat wave we just had, the not slow, so slopey at all did fine. Yep. Lots of deep soil. Deep More soil. Moisture available. Moisture. The middle slopes did worse, and the steep slopes did terrible. Yep. If yeah. you could grow grapes anywhere I for your own you. wine. Gonna, my own wine. You're going to piss off about question. half your customers. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not really. Because if it is for, if for Heliotide. Oh, Heliotide. Cool climate. Well, no, no, no. no or if I'm making, you know, honestly, what we drink at home. We drink some Paso. We drink a bunch of Cool Climate Syrah. Love it. Pinot Chardonnay. Me too. That's what we drink at home most of the time. We've been searching Cambria. To be honest, we've been searching Cambria. We, there was a property that came for sale a couple of years ago. I happened to know the person selling it, and I didn't get it off market, and that was my mistake. But most of the premium properties go off market now. Mm. If they get listed, you got people, so many people focused on our area. People want a vacation rental. People want to relocate from a city. People want to... If I could name a, a, a variety, could yeah. you tell me where in Paso it grows best? Absolutely. I was like, almost like a, grow most, almost yeah. like a parlor trick. Like, let's do it. Let's try it. Um, Grenache Blanc. Willow Creek ABA. <laughs> do you agree? <laughs> I would put it in Willow Creek or Templeton Gap. Okay. Let's talk about Viognier. Willow Creek ABA. <laughs> Bill Gibbs. <laughs> He's a marketer. Don't forget it. He is. I'd say the favorite VO that I grow is actually Templeton Gap, but Eastern Templeton Gap. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon. That's tough because you see some great cab in a lot of different places. That's York Mountain. Okay. Really? I honestly tend to think that people are growing grapes in warmer Climates than they really should. Possibly. Wow. Well, well, excuse me, excuse me. I take exception to that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> of course, for sure. As you should sure. and Pe- would. People are growing grapes in places that were perfect for those varieties before yep. the climate got warmer. <laughs> oh, a degree <laughs> warmer, Bob. That's a really, Bill, really well. This is an interesting conversation. I mean, this climate change is doing about, something, but it's not yeah. like it's, it's, a, it's a degree, right? No, a, no, 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 so, no, 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 sir. It's a degree if you take the averages around the planet for a year, but locally. It's worse frost. It's worse. worse. We used to it's average, Willow Creek used to average one half a heat wave a year. And a heat wave is four days over 96, let's say. Now we're averaging four heat waves a year. It's totally different. It's not as simple as it's all going to get hotter. The weather is changing and the extremes are getting larger. Yes. What do you go ahead? Well, this is the same thing Nicole and I talk about. And my thought process was, oh, okay, cool, two degrees. All right, we can deal with that. But then it's really the extremes and the storms and the droughts. And the extremes and temperatures are what's going to really hammer us. We're going to get – this year was an example. Nobody has dealt with as many days above 100 or it, 105. It, it, it was a straight. Paso record. Yeah. In recorded history, to have ten days over a hundred on the west side of Paso, it was insane. And yeah, it was hotter on the and then followed by rain. <laughs> no, true. That was where those two days of rain right after were really odd because that hurricane thing that my, came up from Mexico. I have right? to bring K. in. I have to bring in counselors now because my grapes are confused. <laughs> yeah. Is it your grapes or your winemakers? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we're all confused. Okay, right now, the hot thing is high density um, because it produces smaller clusters, smaller grapes has a higher ratio of skin to juice. And this is what most of the people I'm aware of that are planting now for their own projects are planting. I don't think that's necessarily a better thing. Caveat, I own a lot of low-density plantings. That 19 acres of Zinfandel I started with at G2 
is down to an acre and a half. It's all Morved and Grenache now, head trained. Um, and I'm getting a, a whole education on these topics from G2 North, which is um, low density, 11 by 6, maybe, like 660 an acre. Definitely low density as these things Definitely go. Definitely low density. And when I had to plant, I chose to choose the middle ground. I chose 8 by 5.5 because it was the closest to an even 1,000 vines an acre I could come, and that makes the math so easy for everything. (laughs) So what's your your position, Lucas Pope? Um, We are planting on a higher density, typically. We're seeing some very interesting results in that when you put stuff on a meter by meter, which I don't ultimately recommend for people because it's all hand farm, that's silly cost. The more ground you cover with shade, the less water you're needing ultimately. And on some of our newer systems, we'll actually just run the both risers, but leave the hoses connected. And then three or four years in, go through and cut the hoses, and that's when we delineate the upper and lower. Uh, It's really difficult at the beginning. That's a good idea. I mean, (laughs) we collaborate with a lot of... I mean, Kevin's knowledge is... You get Kevin, you get... Juan, you get Helen in a Include room. You yourself. get Stefan. Include yourself. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm in this conversation. Yes. And you get Stefan in a vineyard or, or, or Guillaume. Or oh, it's geez, just, Guillaume. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to bounce ideas off people. And that's where the whole conversations over wine or conversations over beer um, or over a meal really come in. And that's why the client relationship is so important to us. And it's so important to like your customers. Yeah. I'm, okay. We're going back a couple of years. But I get this phone call from Guillaume, mm-hmm. who's a little excited. And Guillaume, with his French accent, becomes less understandable when he's a little excited. And he's going, Bill. And I don't do accents well, so excuse me, please. He goes, Bill, am I a pain in the ass? I go, excuse me? <laughs> That's an odd question. He goes, I was just at such and such vineyard. And the vineyard owner told me, right to my face, he said, you are a pain in the ass. <laughs> he goes, Bill. I want to know, is it true? <laughs> Am I a pain in the ass? <laughs> what did you say? I said, Guillaume, yes, but I love you. <laughs> and that's the right answer. <laughs> Guillaume, Stefan, oh my gosh, the passion that exists. <laughs> the passion. It is amazing because they want it right and they are uncompromising. And, you know, Connor, full draw, same thing. Same thing. I can can see him, but I also see, like, a lot of these names that you brought up, from Eric to this to that. Like, I mean, mean, maybe pain in the ass doesn't necessarily need to be such a pejorative. It's just like these people know what they want, don't they? I never sold grapes to Eric because I was scared. (laughs) 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 But he wanted you to. You never sealed the deal, huh? I never, never. I never. I I was able to sell everything else without having to go to the dark side. (laughs) That's so funny because... I felt the same way <laughs> at first. And then I saw Eric's heart and I played basketball with him. I remember like he has a private court on his, his place. And, and I went and I remember like, well, no, no. I'm going to play basketball because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this Lucas, guy. Lucas, Lucas, <laughs> tell me you didn't think for a second. And he's short. Oh, it was more like, I'm going to get this guy cause because, he's, because he's short. But damn, his heart is in the right spot. No, it is, it yeah. just doesn't always come across he's got a wonderful heart he has a wonderful heart it doesn't, he has a wonderful not, heart for Paso it's not communicated like he, he and gets I, excited and, and I love his wines yeah I'm a, Booker, I'm a Booker Club member I buy Booker wines I have, a, I have way too much wine in my cellar but I have a, a lot of Booker wines I bet your cellar must be pretty no, stacked it's, it's not a it's not a neither my house up here nor my cellars are McMansion they're just functional 
It's just a cellar to hold wine. Is part of the deal that you have with all of your clients, they got to give you some of that, some of that juice. No, unfortunately, I don't go there because, because if you ask for discounts or giveaways... Then you're expected to give them. Exactly. I don't want to give discounts or giveaways. <laughs> so occasionally, a few of my customers do give me a bottle of wine, and God bless them for it. I won't name them because it will diss the ones who don't. But all of my customers should give me a bottle of wine. Well, I mean, especially saying. if they're going to have a vineyard designated, you've got to be able to have one of those. I, I, don't, I don't ask for a discount or giveaways because they are my customer and I don't offer discounts or giveaways. Yeah. And that's perfectly fair. But I do sometimes ask for um, allocation. Okay. So with Justin. Give me the choice. Yeah, give me the I give said me Justin. The give me the in. Allow me to buy your wine. Could yeah, I, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Justin, could I buy some extra of my, my vineyard wines? And Justin said, sure. Yep. And Don has been very gracious in saying, I said. Meanwhile, the Saxon list goes from six years to seven years. <laughs> I don't buy that much. I was going to say, that's a big purchase. Yeah, right. I, don't, I don't buy that much. In fact, I'm trying to cut back because I no longer have storage. But the day that the 100 point was announced, I get a text from Don saying, Don, Bill, we got 100 points today. G2 uh, Turtle Rock. Yes. Syrah. And I said, oh my God, Don, that's my first 100 points from G2. God bless you. I'll kiss you. you know? goes, no well, way. He goes, well, I should tell you that Saxum also got 100 points. Oh. We're not the only 100 Which, what, points. What's, what's Saxum... G2 got 100 points. The 19. The 19. This was the 19. Got it. I forget where I was driving to, but I slammed on my brakes. I turned around, and I said, tell your wife I'm about to visit her, to to Don. So I drove right over to Turtle Rock, and I said, Don said I could buy two cases right now. (laughs) Right here. Right now. Make it happen before the tidal wave hits you with selling out this wine. See, you are a smart and savvy dude. You know you know the wave. You know the the feel. You have your finger on the pulse of all. Well, I'm just I'm just no, no. You you worded that totally wrongly. I have I have mental problems. (laughs) And some of my mental problems include um sort of a hoarding gene. And with this hoarding gene, if I don't buy it, I won't have it. And if I don't have it, where will I be? Yeah. Oh, my God. If I don't have this Turtle Rock 100-point 2019 G- You don't have, like, a bunch of Garbage Pail Kids and Pokemon in your garage. And do you, do you collect other weird things? How do you think he pays for all this? Right. <laughs> his Charizard. His no, old Charizard. No, no, no. That, that would have... Dude, he just brought back... Oh, my gosh. My son is so into it. Really? And when I was like, hey, Grayson, I'm going to have to miss a little bit of soccer because I'm going to meet with Adam Montiel. He was like, Adam from radio? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love yes, it. You just tied a full circle for no me. No way. Thank you. Uh, not- Your client list parties harder than anyone I know. Dude, but this is- I go to Dude that's for Champions real. Champions League. Champions League is right there. It's, it's all intermeshed in a, in a very important way because I am a partner with every customer I have. We are not separate entities. We can't win separately. We can't lose separately. We are together in this. So, so it, it, it's important that at every point in this step that, that these customers understand that they are there for me and I am there for them and, and, and we are there together because it's not going to work any other way. This is, there's no way that we... For you or them. Exactly. We cannot succeed or fail separately. We are going to succeed or fail together. And I love my customers, and I, I give them this promise, and I want to make sure that there are no mistakes during harvest, that nobody gets into the wrong block. And this is the problem with, 
my vineyards is that we have all these individual blocks assigned to customers. Oh, yeah. So my guys are out there and I am out there watching to make sure that they are starting in the right place, they are going to the right place, that they are doing the right thing, that the quality of what we are selling our customers is being maintained all through the night. And I like it. I like being out there at night because it reminds me of sailing, which we mentioned tonight. In sailing, when you run all through the night, you run watches. And our most normal watch is two hours up and four hours down because we have three of us. Yep. And we, we cycle through this. And, and this is how you get to where you're going is because you share and you, you, you have a team and it works. And when it comes to these night picks, it's just the same thing. It messes up my sleep schedule and I'm not as happy as I would have been. Yep. But it's important to get the fruit in when it's best for the fruit. And it's important to make sure that the right fruit goes to the right customer. And quality control maintained through this whole thing requires multiple levels of observance. It requires me. It requires my vineyard manager. It requires my intern who just loves this shit. <laughs> He's still a student at Cal Poly. Oh, I yep. love that. Cool. And, and we all go through this and we make sure that, that the right fruit goes to the right people. I have them mark every bin in the field at exactly where they're picking yep. so that when it comes into the pick, there's no chance of it being mistaken for another bin that should have gone to another place. I weigh it. I put it down. I label it as where it came from and where it's going to. We don't want mistakes. We don't want anyone to be looking at us going, well, geez, I lost a bin of fruit because yep. the non-English speaking crew screwed up or something. The first thing you learn in farming is it's not what you do now that affects now. It's not what you do now in, in spring that affects harvest and fall. What you, what you begin to learn is that these plants, they, they, they build up their, their, their internal stores of energy over a multi-year cycle. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's complicated and it's, it's not well understood and the science isn't completely determined. But grapes are, are awesome Vegetables, <laughs> fruits <Yep. laughs> are awesome fruits. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're awesome plants. Yes, and w- they deserve. They I'm de- going to say that because I had a bottle of Saxum, <laughs> bottle of G2, and two bottles of Halo Ted. I have my vegetables for tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. But you know, this is a. They say that they say that knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are a fruit, and wisdom is not putting them in a fruit salad. <laughs> Oh, oh wow. wow. You just dropped some freaking <laughs> knowledge there with the mic yeah. drop at the end. I love it. Boom. <laughs> That's so good. You know, I, I'd like to thank you, Lucas, for, for this opportunity to, to participate as a farmer uh, because uh, you guys are doing things that I need to learn from. And uh, I appreciate many of your comments tonight in that respect. I always like an open conversation. It is always appreciated. And what you guys are doing, I mean, you talk about the Beckstoffers. Everybody knows G2. We farm some vineyards that everybody knows, but G2 is like historical in Paso now. I, it I, is on the level of most of Saxon's, like you talk about the Saxon vineyards, everybody knows G2. My clients talk about G2. It's, well, if you're a winemaker, whether you're Orion or you're Stanley or you're, you know, Donnie obviously got a new 100 point wine this year with G2. If you're getting G2, you know, you're getting some premium cult level fruit. And the whole point of this podcast was to enlighten the idea of, yes, not only do we revere the winemakers here in Paso, but the growers of wine. And like from when I met Lucas years ago. Ages ago. (laughs) Decades ago. Ages ago, right. (laughs) To learn about what you have done and like the reputation you have made for yourself in in, uh, 
wine growing here on the Central Coast and to learn what G2 has done and what you have done. And what's so interesting to learn about you, Bill Gibbs, I'm really fascinated because you're marketing, you're all, and you're such a smart and savvy dude. And I love how you just put shit real and you're just like, there's really something about you that I find is special. And I'm so glad that you sat down and were super real today and for this episode because it shows the folks, the personality. And, you know, we love to do the stories behind the bottle, behind the wine. But today we talked about even beyond the winemaking, but the stories behind the earth, behind the farmer, behind the vineyard manager, behind the grapes. And you can argue two thirds of that journey and that epic saga belongs to what you two do. Farmers. Cheers farmers. to farmers. Here's to farmers. <laughs> oh, no. Cheers. And, 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 I'd like to get this into this podcast, but after a lifetime of working in two different industries, I am finally outstanding in my field. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to get a dinner at your place, aren't you? He's trying to get a dinner at his place, whatever. Hey, hey, because I'll keep that in the podcast, I get two tickets to that dinner. Uh, No, 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 no. You're going cheap. You get your wedding. Yeah, I get my wedding (laughs) at that dinner. Yeah, yeah. The outstanding in the field dinner at G2. I love you guys. This is where, this is truly sharing where wine takes you, but not only where wine takes you, but where wine starts. So God bless you guys. This is great. Cheers. Who knew bubblies could taste this good? <laughs> For real? <That's> crazy. <laughs> Give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is done. Get out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Well, so much thanks again to Bill Gibbs of G2 Vineyard. Such a great conversation with him. I cannot wait to pop open another bottle with he and Lucas Pope. I love Lucas. Lucas is fantastic. Known him for years. So to have Lucas on the show certainly means a lot. He made my, you know, kind of silly little lame winemaker dreams come true. And uh, he's just a great guy. He and his wife are fantastic. Loved getting a chance to sit down really and get to know Bill Gibbs. Man, the stories. Huh? So good. So good. Check out anything with G2 on it. I mean, I can't really tell you to go out and buy G2 wine, but if you you heard his client list, and if you go to G2 Vineyards, you can look them up. You can see all the folks from Saxon, Turtle Rock. Um, like he said, Emerson Wines. There's a lot of folks who, um, I mean, there's a lot of folks, but then again, there's it's a finite amount of folks who are able to get their hands on G2 Vineyards. Now, and if you are looking to ever get into the game, of farming and farming world-class grapes to then make world-class wine, you know Coastal Vineyard Services and Lucas Pope is a phone call that you definitely need to make. Well, thanks for coming back for a part two. Looking forward to a brand new episode of Where Wine Takes You next week. Get to PasoWine.com for any and all things related to Harvest Wine Month. Uh, The podcast, Where Wine Takes You, executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Thanks to Jamie Guzman for assistance in fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on the podcast, Moonshiner Collective, the song Good Company. You can learn more, um, stream them anywhere you get your music, and you can check them out online, moonshinercollective.com. If you're ever cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio, my weekday morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekdays on the Crush 92.5. You can also stream it crush925.com we also have a free crush app right there on your smartphone you can check out the morning show all kinds of interviews and stuff there 
and go to PassAllWine.com. Listen for old episodes. If you're scrolling through your um, Apple Podcast app right now, check out old episodes because they still listen. They got an evergreen feel to them and they still play very well. So thank you so much for connecting with us here once again. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Lift that glass up. Let's wrap up Harvest Wine Month with a bang. Fill that glass with some Paso wine. Share, enjoy, and love where wine takes you. And give me that passion, give out, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify on good comp. Give me that moonshine, give out, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify on good comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get out, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.